share a five-minute shaping story from their life. And so this morning, we've got Matt Bieber, who has agreed to share a portion, to share a portion of his story. So welcome, Matt. Hello. I'll just make a disclaimer. No relation to Justin. <laughs> just making sure that's clear. Um, yeah, so Bo asked me if I would be willing to share a story that was pretty shaping, and immediately one story came to mind, and I was like, well, let me think of a couple others just to weave through as I have some time to think about it. But that's the only one that would stick. No other stories were coming to mind, so I'm gonna share that one. Um, and this is a story about my wife and I when we were dating in college. And just a little background, when we met, we were a little bit different personalities on different spectrums. I came into college very serious, very focused. Um, not showing a ton of emotions, because I was so focused and wanting to have everything figured out. Perfect plan. Um, and then my wife was and still is a little bit more lighthearted and easygoing and silly than I was and am. And so since then, we've kind of met in the middle, but at this point, it was a little bit more polarized. And so this was an example of something that's happened many times in our relationship, um, but this was a pretty impactful experience for us, or for me. Um, so we were just talking outside of her apartment, about to go in and hang out with some friends for a while. Um, and as we started talking, she could kind of tell that I was pretty stressed out at the time, probably with school, probably with family stuff, because there's always family stuff going on. Um, but again, I was very focused and serious, so I didn't want to show that it was bothering me or didn't didn't feel comfortable sharing those things, even, even with her at that time. But it would have been easy for her to just be like, okay, well, let's just go in. But instead, she chose to step into it and keep asking me and keep wanting to know what was going on, because she could tell I was pretty stressed about it. And so as we keep talking, I'm opening up more, I'm telling her you know, more of how I'm feeling and what's going on, more details and how it's um, kind of feeling overwhelming and I'm starting to cry, which is not a usual thing for me. And um, so that just kept going on for a while. And she, her response to me and her just wanting to just even know and care, um, it just showed me that there's so much more in me that I'm not opening myself up to. And she showed me that I can have these messy parts of my life. And she's still going to want to be around me and still like me and still love me, which isn't something I had in my mind for some reason. Um, but that shaped me because that helped me so much to step into accepting myself, accepting all of those parts of my life, not having to just try to be strong and not let these things bother me and be able to have it all taken care of. But I can be a little bit messy and life can be a little bit hard sometimes and I'm still gonna be accepted and cared for and loved and that has happened millions and millions of times since that, but that was one very big impactful thing that has definitely shaped me going forward. So, thank you. Matt, thank you. We all need people like Hannah, right? To press and to push, especially for those of us who are more closed off. Um, and the majority of men are, right? And some women are, right? Just, just in our own nature to be closed off and not to be vulnerable. And man, it is a gift of life to be vulnerable. 
right, to be known and be done. So thank you for sharing that story. And may we all be invited into that even more deeper to have people who know us and who love us and who are going to invite us to tell the truth as it is. So as you know, we've been looking at the Psalms from the summer and we've been encouraging you to pray the Psalms, meaning read the Psalms, read a Psalm in the morning, in the evening, their prayers, and, and to pray them. And as we looked at, they are prayers that should lead us into greater vulnerability because they don't pull any punches. They describe life as it is, even if we would rather ignore that reality. There's the freedom in there. There's lots of complaints and there's lots of enemies and there's lots of pain and struggle and doubt and praise, and story, and context, and memories to them. And so we've been going through this and inviting us to pray them. And so I want to continue to encourage, use the Psalms as prayers. Make it, make it a pattern. Make it a habit. It may strike, it may not. But, but if you struggle with the roteness of the Psalms, understand that if you pray long enough, your prayers become rote. It's just what happens, right? We pray the same things in the same way. And what the Psalms help us, they break us out of patterns. And they they allow us to enter into this biblical pattern, another pattern of people, a community. And they teach us to pray, maybe in a way we wouldn't. They give us words when we're struggling to have any. And so I want to encourage you, find a rhythm of the Psalms. Allow the Psalms, if you're going to have some time to even to pray, or you want to create patterns of prayer, just go one to the next, or if you hit a really long one, you can only pray a little short bit of it, right? But one to the next, continue to pray them. This is the final part of our Psalms. We've, been, we've, been, we've based this teaching on Eugene Peterson. He wrote a book called Answering God. And that's what he said. Prayer is always us answering God. God is always initiated. He's always talked. We, we may not be aware of it. We may not be able to grasp it. But our prayers are always a response to an interactive, present speaking, vocal, active God. And so this is the final part of this. And the end of our psalm series is praise. Because the end of psalms is always praise. This is kind of interesting, right? The end of prayer as well is praise. So literally, the last word of the Psalms, if you go to your Bible and you go to the last Psalms, the Psalm 150, and if you go to verse 6 of Psalm 150, the last word is praise. Well, it's really praise the Lord. Hallelujah is the final word. The final word of prayer is praise. Not just that figurative, but it's leading to this. It's the final word. Psalm prayers arrive After their long travels through the unmapped countries of pain and grief and doubt and sometimes the vistas of the beautiful scenery, but they arrive to the spot of praise. The last word is also the first word, praise. So Psalms, it's it's a Greek term, right? It's actually modified from the Greek. But the Hebrew for the Psalms, telehim, that means praise. So it was the book of praise, Sefer Telim, a book of praise. That's what the Psalms are. Now, if you've read the Psalms, even a little bit, you would say, "Uh, I don't know if that's actually accurate, right? I mean, my neighbor, he's he's reading the Bible, and I'm like, yeah, we're teaching the Psalms right now. And he's like, oh, gosh, I hate the Psalms. There's so much whining. 
woe is me. He's like, get over it. Exactly. That's accurate. He's telling the truth. It is. If we were going to look at the accuracy of the major content of the Psalms, it would be complaint. But yet, it's accurate to say that praise is the first and the last word. Not statistically, right? We're not, we're not doing like a map of all the themes and the content. But where it's driving to is praise. A life of prayer. And this is the reality Eugene Peterson told us when he says, oh boy, it sounds like it's complaint and that, but a life of prayer is going to recognize the parts of life that aren't so good, the places we'd rather not recognize, the parts of us that we'd rather not look, the parts of the world we'd rather not see, the emotions and the pain and the grief we'd rather not really be in touch with. And the Psalms lead us to this actual reality that the world as it is The one part of the Psalms that most of us all can relate to, trouble. Trouble. Even as Matt was sharing in his story, our daily issues aren't aren't always that, but I tell you, if you live long enough, there is going to be this spot of trouble and anxiety and distress. And the Psalms lead us to that accurate portrayal of that. But after all, After all this, and this is a hard line, and I want to press you with this, that all prayer pursued far enough becomes praise. And as a praying people and encouraging to pray, all prayer pursued long enough becomes praise. I want to challenge your imagination. I want to challenge your reality right now that may not be a reality of praise in this exact moment. That all prayer pursued far enough becomes praise. Any prayer, no matter how desperate its origin, no matter how angry and fearful the experience that it traverses, ends up in praise. It doesn't always get there quickly or easily. And the trip can take a lifetime. But the end is always praise. In the Psalms, we get hints of this, and we begin to see the pattern that the end is praise. So here, here's a hint, Psalm 13. Let's read this Psalm together, or let's, more likely, we are going to read it, but let's pray this Psalm together in a communal fashion, out loud with our voices. It's prayer. This is what the church has done, or even in the synagogue, this is the ancient pattern that's been put before us. So would you stand? This is Psalm 13. And we'll turn, I'll turn and just uh, open your mouths and let's read this psalm together. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I'm shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. 
You can be seated. Six verses, right? This is interesting. Psalm 13. It starts out with five questions. Those five questions are not positive. Those questions are like, how long, God? When are you going to intervene? Where are you? Right? Five questions that are all leading to the spot of doubt. God, are you for me? Are you with me? And then after that, he gives out these cries of desperation and these pleas of his circumstances. And then all of a sudden, it erupts in this final two verses of praise. And the two verbs that are used, it's, it's used, they're completed verbs, meaning like these things have taken place already. I have trusted in you, Lord, and you have dealt bountifully with me. When did that occur? How did that happen? And what has happened? And why did that happen? We're not told. In reality, nothing has happened. None of this writer's, this Psalm of David's circumstances has changed. But yet something changed. Spontaneous praise erupted with no reason or logic to it. Moved by the experience of God. Just jump out here. Nothing has happened yet somehow in a way never explained but often experienced in the act of praying the worst of things praise springs forth have you been there have you experienced that in the lows and the worst of the moments in your distress and your pain an encounter with god that praise springs forth from your mouth because the end of all prayer is praise this gives us a hint of that reality in the midst of this psalm I've experienced that. It's not every, a lot of prayers are, there's the complaints, but there's these hints of all of a sudden being clouded and overshadowed by God. And as of something that we have yet to experience or begin to experience immediately, it begins to paint a reality of a future, but I've trusted in your unfailing love and you have dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 13 isn't the only one of those. Psalm 145 is another Psalm 145 is actually my favorite psalm of all the scriptures. And when I was studying for this, I didn't realize Psalm 145 is an acrostic. Now, the acrostics of the Bible, especially the Hebrew, we're, they're lost on us because we don't speak Hebrew. And we, we don't see the pattern of it. And when it's changed into English, all the acrostic power, right, is lost. But it's an acrostic praise. Psalm 145 begins the trajectory of all the psalms. There's 150 in total. But from 145 to 150, they are all praise. It's this culmination of saying, hey, we've told all these stories. We've taken all these journeys. We've cried out to all these problems. And so let me sum it up. It's praise. And Psalm 145, have you ever done an acrostic that's when you, like, take somebody's name, you know, and you write out their name, you know, and, you know, like we did for my wife, right? Do you ever do it for Valentine's Day, for the C, and you'd be like, charming are you? And the A, awesome are you? And the R, radical, right? You, you know, sometimes you feel like you're reaching, but it's an acrostic, right? It's to, it's to sum up the, the, of that person and their essence 
that it's encapsulated, right? That, it, that there's a completion to who they are. And, but an acrostic going through the entirety of the alphabet is saying something different, right? It's saying from beginning to end, you're good. Everything is included. Everything here is covered. There is nothing left out. And so when the Hebrew writers take the alphabet, which is the aleph to the tav, for us, the A to Z, from the A to Z, you are praiseworthy. You're going to come through in the end. There is a promise, a completion that will be happened, that will come to completion, and you can guarantee it. From A to Z, God is good and praiseworthy and powerful. And so the psalmist in this Psalm 145 doesn't take us back into all the learnings of the psalms. He points us towards the future. He points us towards the present, and he praises God. So let's stand. Psalm 145. There's 22 uh, letters in the Hebrew alphabet, um, but two were included into one, and I can tell you, but there's 21 verses. And so each letter would have been a Hebrew letter that started with it. And so, but every verse is a verse of praise. And so let's pray this psalm of praise from beginning to end. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. So that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you You give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. 
The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Awesome. From beginning to end, everything from A to Z. No matter how much we suffer, no matter our doubts, no matter how angry we get, no matter how many times we've asked in desperation, how long, prayer develops into praise. All prayer pursued long enough becomes praise. Would you tell that to the person next to you? There are no shortcuts. This is not a trite bumper sticker that we stick into the messes of our lives. This is not a cliche phrase that we continue to just to say, that we place into the mess that we're in at the moment. But the Psalms do tell us that our prayers are going to end in praise but that it also is going to take a while, right? So don't rush it. It may take years or decades before certain prayers arrive at hallelujahs. Hallelujah is the Hebrew term for praise the Lord. It may take decades for our prayers to arrive at hallelujahs. If you haven't been with us over the last year, a year ago, we, um, we felt like God was continuing to invite us to believe him for the impossible, right? To, to ask him for the impossible. And we invited you to pray once a week, right, for over the impossible things. We had to write them down. These are private, right? Uh, I'm not going to list anybody's names, but... I was reading back through them, these impossible prayers. And you know what? I, I know some people's stories in here where there are some impossible prayers that God answered them, right, in the course of this year. But I know some of them, I was reading through them, they're not answered. There's stories of longing for children that aren't answered. There's stories for um, brokenness with your kids. There was prayers in here for restoration with parents. There was prayers and hids within the family. There was prayers in here for healing, for wholeness to be happened. There was prayers in here for stability. I found Foster's prayer. Now, he, he died. His prayer, like, God, let it go into recession. Right? And he was praying for God's provision for him and his family. For wisdom in those places. Do you remember your impossible prayer? And you may not be praying it faithfully. It's it's okay. I have a reminder that goes off my phone on Monday to pray my impossible prayer. I've set the reminder to go off every Monday and I think I hit one out of four. (laughs) Even though I see the reminder. 
My impossible prayer has not been answered. Carmel's impossible prayer, my wife, Chris was like, oh, I want to be whole, God, heal me. And in the course of the year, it felt like she's tanked. Right? But the destination of all prayers prayed long enough ends in praise. And we continue to tell the truth of the circumstances we're in. We, we believe to enter into vulnerability with God and others, as Matt was sharing his story with us, and saying, I don't like where we're standing. I don't like where I'm standing right now. I don't like where my family is right now. I would prefer a different reality. I don't like the story that my story is right now. But yet, those who have come along with me, the faithful writers of the scriptures, those who have walked this said, hey, this ends in praise. And God stands before me, and we see the picture even of Jesus, of what he's done, and saying, hey, I've finished it. This ends in praise. Everything that has breath will praise the Lord. That's the destination doesn't make the journey easy or quick. Don't rush it. Ironically, um, for whatever reason, I, I change the sign out front. I do not change it often. I have some people, I, I have anxiety over posting on Facebook, and I have anxiety about changing the sign. Right? Like, whatever that is. Uh, but uh, I was moved, and so the, the, the phrase that's on there is... Um, from a man named Mike Foster, and it says, some things are to be never rushed. Childhood, our grief, and our becoming. You aren't to rush those things. And these parts of, that in this spot of even our prayers, and these spots of our grief, and these, these pain spots, we want, every part of us want to rush it. Right? I don't want to be in the pit. Right? Don't want to be in the pit. You don't want to be in the pit. Right? You don't want to be in the pit. None of us want to be in the pit. But yet God does something and acts and is present and is real and is transforming and is teaching us and is refining us and is shaping us and is molding our hearts and developing us something through the pit. And it says, oh, You can try to rush it, but don't. But the way to remain there is to continue to cry out to God for him to do something in it and allow him, allow God, who has power and love and presence control to to meet it. Don't rush it. It may take years or decades before certain prayers arrive at the hallelujahs. I celebrate with the knacks of their impossible prayer of this last year when their baby boy was born. Right? If you know their story. The possibility of having children struggling. Spending thousands and thousands of dollars. And then God just intervening in a moment. Right? Hallelujah.
And so in this year, that was met. But it may take decades before certain prayers arrive at the hallelujahs. Not every prayer is capped off with praise. In fact, most of the Psalms are not. But prayer is always reaching toward praise and will finally arrive there. If we persist in prayer, laugh and cry, doubt and believe, struggle and dance, and then struggle again, we will surely end up at Psalm 150 on our feet, applauding, saying, Encore! Encore, God! Well done. So people, children of God, born into his family, not by natural birth, but by the work of Jesus and his gracious love to adopt you, to adopt you into his family by paying a price for you, going to the ends of the world for you, adopted into God's family through the love of the Father, Pouring his spirit upon you to seal you, saying, you are his from now into eternity. Children of God, persevere. Open your mouths. Pray the Psalms. Find the intermittent eruptions of hallelujahs in the midst of your story. The explosions of praise in the day-to-day. And know that prayer, when it meets its end, will culminate in praise. So let's stand. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come.